Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Virdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. We often are involved in work that I often call my heart work. It is the passion behind what I feel like is my purpose an opportunity to show up in spaces and help others to tap into their light in within. And this evening's conversation is so timely as we have just come off of World Mental Health Day, which was October 10th, and having challenging conversations around the quality of mental health, the stigmas around mental health, the challenges, but also the healing opportunities. They are all there as we continue to have real conversations and come out of the shadows. Well, I'm excited about my uh, guest co-host for this episode as we talk about the scream within and conquering the battle with depression. She is a author, preacher, teacher, certified life coach, podcaster, and freelance editor. I tell you, the gifts abound. (laughs) Reverend Benita Weathers is the owner and CEO of BL Weathers LLC, a multifaceted consulting business that enables the client in discovering what becomes you. With training in divinity, public health, and biology, she is uniquely positioned and interested in the holistic health of individuals, spiritually, mentally, and physically. She is especially interested in removing the stigma in faith-based communities and African-American communities regarding mental health and assisting individuals over the age of 40 to retool refuel, and recycle their passion toward a life that is fulfilling. In addition, she has founded Mind the Mental Incorporated, a nonprofit organization with a mission to equip youth and young adults to be in tune with and in control of their mental well-being to address and conquer suicide rates with that age group. Her new book, The Screen Within, Clergy, Marriage, and Mental Health, A Journey of a Pastor's Wife, depicts her journey with her husband who is at war with clinical depression. It is written with the hope of turning the scream within to a scream without, without fear, without condemnation, without embarrassment, and without ridicule. As you can tell, 
this conversation is going to be a rich one and I get to have it. I not only can proclaim her accolades, but I can all also call her sister friend. So it is my pleasure to have Reverend Benita Weathers. Welcome, Benita. Hello, everybody. It's so great to be here. Um, thank you so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. So let's Yes, it's so timely. I have um, been in continuous engagement with people who are um, really battling with emotionally how they're navigating such a long period in time of being in fight, flight or freeze and how that creates a weight on us physically, creates a weight on us spiritually and mentally and emotionally. And so I'm really interested in um, how your story or your journey actually began. How did this become such a focus for you? Well, it, it really became a focus for me at the very beginning of marriage, 26 plus years ago. Seems like yesterday, but <laughs> it's been 26 years already. Um, uh, at the beginning of our, our marriage, um, my husband was dealing with some things that were just sort of internal challenges that he was dealing with. Um, and I am a listening ear. I, I actually enjoy listening to people. I have an open heart and an open spirit. So a lot of people feel really comfortable just talking to me, um, about various issues. And he would talk to me about things that he hadn't spoken with anyone about before. Um, but at some point, um, it got to a place where I realized that I was ill-equipped to help him really get to the root causes of some of the traumas that he um, had experienced uh, early in life. Um, and it was just really difficult for me to provide him with the tools that he needed to navigate um, those challenges. And so I suggested to him, oh, uh, maybe five years into our marriage, maybe you should get some counseling. Maybe you should, you know, get some therapy. And of course, he, like many in our communities, um, had that same feeling of like, I'm not crazy. I don't need a therapist. Um, <laughs> and I was trying to explain to him, it's not about you being crazy. You just need somebody to help you um, traverse those waters, um, you know, get, give you that life raft that I'm ill-equipped to give you. And um, it's a way that you can tap into what's happening internally and get to the root causes of your feelings and be able to deal with them. And so it took probably another few years after that. We were probably 10 years into our marriage Wow! Uh, before he said, you know, I, I think I'm, I, I really do need therapy. So, um, so it begins with me sort of, one, figuring out the whole being a wife. Then uh, maybe two years into our marriage, he entered into ministry, if that, if two years, might not have even been two years, um, when he responded to his call and uh, when he t first told me that he was called, you know, my my reaction was like, wait, called what? I didn't, and, I didn't and, sign and, up for that. I, hang up. 
right? Because the other thing is that I'm a PK, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. Uh, I grew up in as a pastor's kid, and I, I did not want children who were pastor's kids. I did not want them to have that level of pressure. However, you know, when God tells you to move, you know, you, who am I to box with God? <laughs> so, so I'm dealing with being a new wife. I don't really fully understand what that means. Um, what, what does it mean to be a good wife? I don't really fully know. I'm figuring it out. Soon after we get married, we have our first child. So now I'm a new mom trying to figure that out. Um, and, you know, he's going through challenges, um, you know, just trying to figure some things out. And so we we're, were just, and we were, and we were living away from our families. We were living in North Carolina. We didn't have any family down there. Uh, um, and so it was a lot. It was layer after layer. And it was really a lot to try to figure out. Um, but we, you know, we hung in there and I, I believe in the power of prayer. And as much as I believe in therapy and I believe that we should go and um, have those conversations that we need to have, I also believe in the power of prayer. I believe in God. I believe in a God who um, is able to do anything, right? Exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. And I believe in a God who can send you to the right therapist too, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I did a lot of praying um, and I still do, but I, I, I mean, I really did a lot of praying back then and it was, you know, I, I, I didn't really see those prayers necessarily come full circle until years, years later, but I'm seeing them now. Things wow. that I was praying 20 plus years ago, I'm seeing now and, and, um, how much, um, he has really grown uh, through the years and you know he's he's really he says he's at war with depression because mm -hmm. he feels like to say that he's suffering with it is to give it energy and to and to give it a defeatist sort of mindset but he says I'm no I'm at war with depression and now I have the tools to box that wow so, I, I, I so love how you have been able to identify and connect with first um, educating him when what I could only imagine would be a vulnerable situation. It would because as you were newly married, you um, are transitioning, trying to figure out how to be a wife. But I'm thinking about those who are in families now that are potentially struggling with having that conversation and wanting to understand. So how do you begin? How do you begin having the conversation, especially if at first, he's not the only one who the immediate first response is, well, I'm not crazy. So why, why should I? And it's not about being crazy. It really is about getting healed and yeah. becoming whole and better understanding you who each one of us is uniquely designed with unique experiences. I'm thinking about people who may be in a place, especially now after we've been in this pandemic for so long and people, things that may have laid dormant for decades are now showing up in relationships. Any tips for how you actually had the conversation 
And what did that look like? So it really just happened as as just a, a general conversation. Um, he was having a conversation with me about an experience that he had had that really had a traumatic impact on him. And I just very calmly said, babe, I think you you could use some additional help with what you're going through. I think you might need to consider seeing a therapist. And, you know, when he started talking about not being crazy, you know, I, I had already done my due diligence in terms of looking into what therapy was. And I'm in, I'm, I'm a, I'm a public health uh, servant. Um, that's my career. Uh, and so I am very familiar and was very, always very comfortable with the idea of talking with someone, albeit a complete stranger. Sometimes that's the best person to go to, somebody who doesn't have a backstory, somebody who doesn't know you, who has no judgments about you, that you can just go and just be real um, and just get everything out. So I really was just trying to be very patient uh, and explaining to him that, you know, it doesn't mean that you're crazy. I mean, it, it actually takes great strength to say, I need help. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, it, it, but even at that, like I said before, he, it's not like he just jumped right at it. It's not like even after that conversation, he, he just ran out and looked for a therapist. It took some, it literally took some years. Sometimes it takes, it takes time. Um, and I wish I could say that there was some kind of a magic pill that just I, you know, I could crush up and put in this food and make them, you know, <laughs> but there, that, that just doesn't exist. It really takes patience. It takes love. Um, it takes time. And just understanding that what a person who is depressed might feel is a big major thing. In your mindset, it might not be. You might in your mind think, what? I mean, that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. For them, it really is. So acknowledging that, um, allowing people to have their feelings and to be in their feelings. And for our men in particular, because men are, are socialized to believe that they have to be strong. And in their mind, strength means I don't cry. I don't talk about what's bothering me. Um, but but that is just so false. So as as a woman and as a wife, um, being being the kind of person that he can come to and feel vulnerable with and be okay to be vulnerable with, to cry with if he needs to, or just to let some things out, I want to be that. I want to be that for him. And I think that th- that is the main thing that I was um, as a, a prayer partner and one who was accepting of him and of all of him um, that he could come to me and be vulnerable about his feelings. Um, you know, so just doing that, being being open, being loving, being patient, providing information um, to them, and just ma- letting people understand that your your mind is is connected to your body. Your yes. the, the only way your body does anything is is it starts up here. Right. And like everything starts in the mind, literally. 
And so it it's just like you go to a doctor to see, you know, to get, if you go to a, a heart specialist because you're having heart issues, you, you know, a kidney specialist because your kidneys are messed up, whatever the case might be. If you need um, something, some help in dealing with challenges that are going on in your mind, it's okay to seek somebody who has that specialty. It's just that, it's really just that simple. And it doesn't mean that you're crazy. And literally, that's what I was going to say. It is an opportunity to change the narrative that is often passed down generationally um, in the same way you talked about how uh, males, men are socialized to believe that they have to be a persona instead of their authentic selves as whole human beings, which include emotions as well as thoughts, as well as memories. All of those are part of who we are as human beings and being able to help him change that narrative over time with consistency, with patience, with prayer, with vulnerability, and you not going off script. (laughs) You remaining consistent and being willing and open to shift what he perceived might be a weakness, but it actually is an opportunity that something that has been laid dormant, something that has been pushed down for since childhood, and, and we've talked uh, in previous episodes about how childhood trauma, childhood early adverse experiences don't just go away. They will lay dormant and your body will remember and there will be a period in time when a trigger happens and it comes back. But sometimes we make the mistake of misunderstanding that it this where did this come from, but creating space for people to unpack that. I want to jump into how that experience. So we talked about it from his perspective. When we come back from this break, I'd like to be able to hear from your perspective, how how did this impact you? How did this shape you as a wife? Uh, so when we come back, we are going to continue this powerful conversation. But as we get ready to take this break, I want to welcome and offer an opportunity for you if you are in a change season, which many of us are. That challenge does not mean that you have to get stuck in a place, but there's an opportunity for you to create a growth plan for your change season, changing your language about where you are. Just as Benita shared, she helped her husband change his narrative. This is a chance for you to connect with us. As we get ready for this break in our commercial from Living Strong, If you've never created an intentional growth plan, we want to offer an opportunity for you to do just that. Check out our website, www.livingstrongllc.com for our next First Tuesday growth planning session. It is free, it is virtual, and it is designed for everyone, male, female. We have millennials, we have Gen Zers, we have Generation X, all coming together 
with one goal in mind, to grow. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life is now in session. Are you present? We don't get a dress rehearsal in life. So why not grab every moment you can to grow? Join me every first Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific for our live webinars. We're creating a growth plan and unpacking the 15 invaluable laws of growth by John Maxwell. Instead of waiting for growth to just happen by accident, let's get intentional about creating a growth plan for you. Let's do it together. Log in to www.livingstrongllc.com and grab your spot for first Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 Pacific. And let's grow together. It's your time. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Wow, we have jumped into a hard conversation, but a conversation I feel is so relevant to the season and time that all of us have been encountering, recognizing that the weight and the toll of a marathon experience of being in fight, flight, or freeze mode can take a toll on us physically, emotionally, and mentally. And so we're having a conversation about mental health, the war with depression, and how do you win that battle? Reverend Benita Weathers has been transparent with her journey with her husband, who says that he is at war because it is not about him submitting to the depression, but he is an active, engaged, engaged conqueror of his personal experience. And so we, she shared about his perspective and I'd love an opportunity, but as well as I'm sure there are others in our community who are listening, who are wondering how did you as the loved one, as the partner, how did you navigate that experience? So I wrote a whole book about it. So my book, The Scream Within, Clergy Marriages and Mental Health, Journey of a Pastor Spouse, is about that. It is about my journey with, mm-hmm. um, with his depression. And whenever you are a, the loved one of somebody who is at war with depression, it does not only affect that person, it affects the entire family. Um, and so it is so, it is difficult to love someone, to see the potential in someone, to um, see the greatness 
in a person and for them to be hurting, it is, it is so hard. So there would be times where, I mean, he, there would be days that he really just needed to stay in the bed. Like he just couldn't even get up. Um, That's hard to, to watch somebody that you love go through that level of pain that they don't really feel like they can really pull themselves out of it. The great thing about my husband is that he is determined and he might stay like that for a day, but after that day, he's going to get up swinging. (laughs) That is just who he is. And that's really one of the things that I love about him is that when he sees that he needs something, a change or to make a change or to do some internal work, he's the first one to do it. Um, He doesn't just talk about it. And I love that about him. So for me, um, I really, there's so much that um, I needed to do at the time that we first started going through this. We had young children and I very much felt like I needed to protect them. Not that thinking that he would harm them or anything like that, nothing like that, but um, when a person is depressed, sometimes they are withdrawn. Um, sometimes they're not completely there, you know what I mean? Like not completely connected and children don't really understand that. Um, they had, didn't know anything about, you know, dad is depressed. It was just kind of like, is that okay? Like what's wrong with that kind of thing? So I, I would sort of try to shield them in some ways, take their minds off of it, do different activities. And then I would put them to bed and I'd go in my room and lock the door and cry. Um, And so my way of dealing with it was not really dealing with it. It was screaming within, which is where, which is the impetus of the title of the book that I did a lot of internal screaming um, because I was afraid that saying certain things or talking about it might just put them into a deeper depression which I did not want to do. You know, you, you love somebody who has depression. You're, you're wanting to do whatever you can to pull them out of it. Um, and I, I spent a lot of time, especially early in the marriage, like wanting to make him happy and feeling powerless and feel like a failure because I felt like I couldn't make him happy. And then at some point, you know, I realized that I, happiness doesn't come from outside. You know, it comes from within. And so I, I began to understand that, okay, I, I, I can't make him happy. All I can do is support him on his journey to finding fulfillment internally. Wow. And really, it, it, as I listen to you, I look at one of the questions from Cheryl Harley. I think we're getting ready to embark upon her conversation, and it's almost like a bridge. Cheryl Harley is a um, wellness, a mental mindset wellness coach for Living Strong, and she owns her own company. Um, And I, as I look at her question, she wants to understand the benefits of healthy supports for those impacted by the effects of the loved one who is struggling with the with depression. Can you speak a little bit about the the healthy support systems um, that may have helped you transition from not dealing with it to actually 
dealing with it and eventually writing a book about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I feel like, I don't know that I really dug into support systems like I should have. Um, and in fact, I'm really just starting to do that. Um, you know, just, just in the last, I'm going to say five years, I've been much more intentional about having other relationships outside of the family. So other relationships with other women, in particular, other women that are trying to do some great things, um, that are wanting to, to, to make a positive impact on this world, uh, and just try to get, just have more of fellowship with other women. Um, I am, uh, I, I don't really talk about what is going on with me. I am probably one of the greatest mask wearers that there is. Tell the truth. I Tell have learned truth. how to wear the mask. I learned how to wear it very early in life as a, as a pastor's kid um, and just looking like the, the family on the church fan in the church and really not necessarily being that. Um, uh, and then I learned it in being a first lady, which, you know, is a term that I don't particularly care for, to be honest, um, because I feel like there's all kinds of perceptions that come with that title, um, perceptions about what that should look like, what you should look like, what you should act like, and, you know, how you should be. And, um, you know, and so I, I really have been very introverted, hadn't really talked much about it. But at some point, I think what happened was I I was out with a dear friend. I write about this in the book. I was out to lunch with a, with a good friend of mine um, who was also um, also happened to be, you know, a pastor's wife. And I just broke out it started crying. I got literally, we were in a room full of people and I just literally broke down bawling. And at that point, it was kind of like, okay, Benita, you've been wearing these masks too long. You, you gotta take, you gotta take them, take them off. Um, you, you need to, to kind of go deal with some stuff internally yourself. And uh, at that point, I started thinking, okay, I need to find an outlet, you know, to myself rather than because what happens when you scream within, the longer you scream within, at some point you're going to implode. You're either going to implode or you're going to explode on everybody else. And you don't want to be in either of those spaces. So, um, you know, I would, I would definitely tell people to just to, to really exercise self-care um, because if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't take care of your own mental health, you're not able to really help that other person, um, with theirs. So, um, get, get, go to therapy yourself. <laughs> I was going to say get that. that outlet. Yeah. The, the power of, and I, I just want to kind of pause there before you go on, because I've kind of gotten to a place where I am tentative about even using the word self-care. I feel like it has gotten overused and misused and taken out of context. And uh, I literally just did a session with um, 
DCIU around self-care for educators earlier today. And in that session, I talked about that self-care is not just about the manicure, the pedicure, or the external thing. It really is a lot of what you just talked about. It is saying yes to therapy if you need it, acknowledging shame if you're walking under it, being willing to better understand yourself and understand your body, forgiving others and forgiving yourself, all of those key elements Those are self-care as well. And if we are going to live in a place where we are healthy and whole, it's not just running to put on another mask that might look like a great um, makeup or look like a great set of nails and you're broken inside. That's not self-care. Self-care is being willing to go inside and look at self and heal from the inside out. And the manicure, that's just a cherry on top, but it's being willing to actually do the work. And it sounds like you are in that evolving place of you. And I love how, and I want to talk about the church in this, how as pastor and pastor's wife, um, you are not hiding this. Like this isn't a hush-hush thing that you are not allowing shame to hold you back from sharing what's necessary to help other people heal and learn from you. So it really sounds like you are evolving in that place. I am. And, you know, one of the reasons that I wrote the book is because I hadn't seen anything written from the perspective of the caregiver of someone who is um, at war with depression. And um, I, I definitely had not seen it written from the perspective of a pastor and, and, and their spouse, uh, because that, that just adds a whole nother layer of things <laughs> to the equation. And so it, it took a long time for me to actually go to my husband and say, I'm thinking about writing the book. And the reason being is that, again, I, I didn't want my thoughts about writing such a book to, again, put him into a depression, um, into a bout of depression. So it took a good three years from the time that I thought about it for me to go and say to him, I'm thinking about writing this book. And his response, though, is the reason that we have this book, (laughs) because his response was, um, you have to write that book. I said, he he said, I might not be able to read it, but you have to write it. Mm -hmm. And um, sure enough, it it actually did take him a minute to read it. Uh, He started out just kind of, you know, flipping through a little bit and taking little peeks here and there. And then he finally, you know, sort of got up the courage to just fully read the book. And, um, you know, he was able to do so and and to really gain some insight uh, from it himself. And so I I just really, I thank God for him uh, for it. And and because he he also has shared his own journey. Um, Before I shared my journey with him, 
he shares his journey about of dealing with depression and being a pastor that deals with depression. He talks to other pastors about it, about the need. You know, if you need to get a therapist, then there's no shame in it. Do it because it has done wonders for him. So, um, yeah, it's definitely not something that we're hiding. It's something that we talk about together. Um, I'm having an event on October 30th. We will be there together talking about it. So um, it, it's a journey that we're taking together. And um, uh, I look forward to more conversations and really um, helping others in the same situation to sort of break those chains. Before we go up on to our next break, I would love for you to share what is the October 30th event and what can people expect? What is it called? Where is it being held? Um, give us a couple of a bit of detail about that before we go on break. Sure. It's called Minding the Mental in Marriage and Minors. Say that five times fast, right? <laughs> Minding the Mental in Marriage and Minors. It is the virtual event. It'll be on October 30th from 11 to 3 Eastern Standard Time. You can um, go to my social media. I'm Benita Weathers everywhere. And uh, you can go to the link in my bio and um, you can you can find the link to the actual event there. It'll give you much more information. But we're going to be talking about mental health and families and the need to our, our children are going to join us. My husband's going to be there. We have a couple of mental health experts that are going to be talking. So um, I hope that you all will, will come. Wow. I so appreciate how the opportunity to um, take something that's called post-traumatic wisdom, Dr. Bruce Perry uses that in his book, um, What's Happened to You. And it's recognizing that what we have gone through, if we can move past why me into why this, and learn from the experience is opportunity for us to tap into post-traumatic wisdom and then apply that thing forward. So I hope that at the end of our show, I definitely will have Benita reshare how to connect with that event. We're going to take a short break and come back. And now we're going to jump into how, what role did the church play in this and Let's hear a little bit more about what Scream Within is all about. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The first challenge in growth is leading yourself. But what do you do when you have led you as far as you can take you? Now what? Do you know how to pick a good mentor? Do you know what to do with the relationship once you find a good mentor? Do you know the difference between a coach and a mentor? These are all questions we answer and develop strategies for in the law of the model. When we live this law, we are able to show others the way to be empowered and expand their capacity. We've been going through the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell during this entire 2021, and we are on Law 13, the Law of Modeling. 
It's hard to improve when you have no one but yourself to follow. Join us for this law on November 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like the opportunity to be a part of our growth crew, join us at livingstrongllc.com and become an insider to get information first for registration. Again, the Law of Modeling, November 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The webinar is free and it's designed for you to grow. This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veardra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Wow, I hope that you have been gaining as much from this authentic, transparent, honest conversation. And as we were able to get a, a glimpse of the transparent transition and process of Benita and her husband in recognizing that he needed help, becoming open to getting the help, but then also Benita recognizing, I need help. I got to put down the mask and be honest with this thing. I, I want to jump into a conversation because you are a pastor and first lady of the church. And although I do feel like um, we are getting to a place where we're really talking about therapy and therapeutic um, support systems in the church. There's absolutely power in prayer. There is absolutely um, God. He sits on the throne and he looks and sees each one of us. And he has equipped individuals with gifting, talent, skills, knowledge to help the body of Christ navigate the hard experiences that we have to live in on this planet. So can you tell me how can the church be more of an advocate for mental health care? I think just having the conversations in the church, um, I, I think it starts at the pulpit and just slight correction. I'm not, I'm not pastor. I'm an associate minister. Uh, just because I know that there are a lot of co-pastor situations, but I'm, that's not I'm not in one of those. So just my husband is the pastor. But um, I think that if we uh, pastors from the start having those conversations across the pulpit, um, then the parishioners will begin to feel um, more comfortable mm -hmm. in talking about their own uh, mental health challenges that they might have and can feel supported. Um, I think that historically there have been a lot of instances in the church where people are like, oh, just go pray about it. Uh, and, you know, that that is not the right answer. Um, not that prayer isn't the right answer. Prayer, prayer is always the right thing to do. But there are times just like 
I said earlier, you know, if you if you have a heart condition, you're not going to just kind of pray about it. You're going to pray about it and no, you're going to go to the doctor <laughs> and you're going to pray that the doctor knows what the doctor's talking about. Um, and so you, it's the same kinds of things. So I think that if we can just start having those discussions in the church unashamedly, um, it will open the door um, because I, I honestly feel like it is also a trick of the enemy to keep the people of God bound uh, because we've got we got to hold in all these secrets and we, we can't talk about what happened to me as a little girl or a little boy or, you know, we got to keep everything hush hush. What happens here stays here. In some cases, that's true that some cases you're the, what happens in your house doesn't need to go out. But there's some things that need to be talked about, need to be shared with with children that, hey, this happened to me. This is why I don't have you, you know, going to sleepovers at everybody's house. You know, there, there, there are things that we need to have that we need to discuss. If we started in the church, then people in the church might start having those conversations in their families. They might start having those conversations with their children. And that might be the impetus to break generational curses um, that, that have gone in, in families through the generations. And so I, I think that talking about it in the not talking about it in church is a, is, is a trick of the enemy to keep God's people bound mentally. And that's not where God would have us to be in order to put on the mind of Christ. Um, we, we have to deal with these minds. We have to face um, those challenges that we've had and we've got to face those internal battles that we're having. And we got to get we've got to get some help. You know what, I, I, I so uh, agree and understand the the power because it, it actually, it was, that's part of my experience and my story. I had for a period in time operated in extreme stress, stress toxic, toxic stress, toxic environment. Uh, and a physician said to me, you know what, I think you are depressed and I'd like to start you on medication. And I went back to the church and literally was told that you don't have enough faith. You need to um, pray more. And although prayer is absolutely a powerful instrument, tool and weapon, absolutely. And being able to receive services, supports, medication, um, processing, healing in the body, being able to connect with individuals that have been given the gift, the talents, as I shared earlier, the knowledge that will be useful because we want to be able to be free and clear so that we can continue to be love and light in communities and we can't do that if we're hiding under everything every uh, secret that we're keeping bound to ourselves you brought up your children and your earlier um, practice and, and desire to kind of protect them and help them understand the emotional side that that as children they may not necessarily fully understand developmentally um, that why dad is sad or why dad had to stay in the bed 
um, and continue to support them. But you also are a champion of making mental health a family affair. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, I, I think that it is imperative, in particular in families where um, depression and anxiety and different mental health um, issues are prevalent, that we begin to talk to our children about the need to think about their thinking, to, to pay attention to how they're thinking. Um, and when they notice that their thoughts are are off to talk about it, tell somebody about it um, so that the, the appropriate things can be done. And um, it, my husband at some point, <laughs> I talk about this in the book too, but there was a, a period where <laughs> my, my husband had an appointment with his therapist. My son was about eight years old at the time. And um, my, the, the kids were, I was at work, the kids were at home with my husband. He needed to go to this appointment because he was he was in a, uh, an active bout of depression. So he really needed to go. He didn't have any way to bleed the kids, so he had to bring the kids with him. So he had a little talk, you know, behave and all that. So he gets to the doctor's office, to his therapist's office. He leaves them in the waiting room, goes and has the session, comes back out. They're walking to the car, and my son, who was eight at the time, goes, "Why you need to see a therapist?" <laughs> So he thought that he was yes. he was telling them where I'm going to a doctor's appointment and they're just thinking, oh, he's just going to the doctor. But at eight, you know, he can read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, he's like and at that point, he's like, OK, I need to just come clean with them and talk to them. And he started talking. My husband started talking to the kids about depression and about how he feels sometimes and, you know, the mood swings and the different things that were what happened with him. Uh, and once when they started to be able to understand that, they understood him better mm -hmm. and if their relationship with him improved even um, because they understood him from a different perspective. And now that they're all um, adults, uh, you know, they, they they really can understand where he's coming from. And, you know, my, my daughters actually have their own challenges with um, depression and anxiety. And so. Uh, he has been able to really help them uh, in in their own situation. So it's important for families to really talk about it. You know what? I so appreciate that um, because the um, the power of helping young people rewrite their own narrative about what they think is happening. And um, I actually have a session. Uh, with Sparks Rx Limbics, which is a um, cognitive behavioral uh, therapy-based digital therapeutic uh, system. And on October 19th, I have the privilege of sitting with uh, the group from Limbics and talking about how creating digital platforms and digital opportunities to better create better access for teenagers um, through a doctor's prescription to be able to have more access to mental health resources through technology using digital platforms. If you'd like to find out more about um, that session, it is on October 19th 
and you can go to SparksRx website for information on how to register for that. With the last three minutes that we have, I'd like for you to unpack because I know that you also work with teens uh, and have resources and a passion for helping them also get to a healed, healthy place addressing suicide. With our last three minutes, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so I am just in the throes of starting up the Mind the Mental nonprofit. Um, and it in it, we, we have a curriculum where we help young people to, like I said before, think about their thinking. It's really to get them to really just be intentional about thinking about their mental health and giving, providing them with resources, um, providing them with a, a, a an app. So I'm glad to, I, I need to be at that on the 19th, uh, you know, to, to get more information about that because that, that is an area that we're going into with the nonprofit. So um, I will have more information about that as we're getting going, but we're, we're kind of just getting started with it, but I'm hoping to get it into, get into schools um, and yes. colleges and universities as well. Bonita, thank you so much for your honesty and your willingness to share your story. I know that there are couples, there are husbands, there are wives, there are those who are listening in, who they're ready to have the conversation. And I'm hoping what you've shared will encourage and push them into a place of courage to begin to have that conversation, to pursue healing. It is time to come out from under the shame. And as you shared, break generational cycles of silence. How can people find you? We have about one minute left. I'm Benita Weathers everywhere on social media. (laughs) And BenitaWeathers.com. Go to my website. You can get everything there. Wonderful. So... If you have had uh, gained anything from this conversation, recognizing that faith is absolutely one of our pillars with Living Strong, but we also believe in the true value and power of gaining access to therapy to begin to heal, not just move through or push through or muscle your way through. If you are feeling like something is not right and I'm not strong enough, reach out and gain support and resources to begin your healing process. Thank you so much for listening in, Benita. As always, it is wonderful, sister friend, to sit down and have a real conversation with you. Any last goodbyes? Thank you for having me and God bless you. Um, Bless everyone listening. (laughs) And we will see you next week on the flip side of adversity. Thanks for logging in. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.